0: Go ahead and open your Bibles, and we're going to be um, in Philippians 4. Um, a couple weeks ago, when Luke asked me to speak, I was, he's like, do you have anything that you'd like to share with the church? And I said, you know what? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't have anything right now that's, like, pressing on me that the church needs to hear that you haven't been bringing every week. And I said, what do you think about me Just continuing where you left off. And he's like, let's do it. You know, Luke. He's like, that'd be awesome. Let's do it. And I was like, all right. So last week, I had no clue, as you guys know. I mean, he might do a half a verse. He might do three letters. Or, you know, he might do a whole chapter. And so I'm like sitting back there. I'm like, where's he going to lead off? Where's he going to leave off? And uh, you know what? God has a very funny sense of humor. Because we're... Where he led off and where I pick up is just a slap in the face to me. Um, it's exactly what the Lord has been working on in my life. There are some things in this passage that have been a major struggle um, in my life. We're talking about anxiety today. And if you've ever sat in a doctor's office and they're giving you some prescription for anxiety and you don't know what it does, and you look it up on the WebMD and it says it's for, you know, antihistamine, and you're like, I don't, should I take that? I mean, maybe I'll itch less. I don't know really what's going to happen with this. And, you, and the Lord just says, you know, Adam, this is perfect timing. And I love that we say the Lord has a funny sense of humor because it's just <laughs> odd to us. But he's sitting back there, I think, just right now, going, you know what? This is so perfect. This is so perfect. That he gets to actually read scripture that he struggles with. And then we're going to have fun today. So I'm going to be a little bit open, a little bit vulnerable. But before we do, let's throw uh, that first picture of Oregon. Um, Today, July 3rd, is actually my fourth anniversary of moving to the state of Oregon. And so... uh, I'm happy there because I'm getting out of California. So, uh, yeah, goodbye, California. Um, well, I, I grew up in Humboldt County, and I, actually I spent a couple weeks in California before moving up here. Uh, many of you guys know my, a little bit about my story, but um, for 15 years I was a youth pastor, um, several different places in, in California. And then dealing with anxiety and dealing with the pressures of ministry... I felt like the Lord said, it's time for a change. And I said, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Um, I have a degree in counseling. I have that, that kind of was in the back of my head. And the Lord's like, I want to give you rest. So I'm going to send you to the Middle East. <laughs> That's a joke. And uh, and uh, so you take an anxious uh, youth pastor who's burnt out with youth and put, puts them in dealing with uh, major trauma of kids coming out of uh, uh, war-torn Syria, and that's where I was for three years, and I loved every moment of it. And it was just like I got to be used in a way that I never thought. And when the Lord closed that door, I met um, a couple people from this place called South Beach Church, and Uh, And I remember uh, sitting here and uh, talking with Luke and he's like, if you could do anything right now, what would you do? And I think he was like expecting me to like talk about ministry. And I said, you know what, if I had moved back to the States, I would love to work for UPS. (laughs) (laughs) And And he's like, why UPS? And I said, because people that work for UPS, when they get home at night, they're not thinking about boxes. They're not thinking about what that box went through that day. They're not praying for that box. They're not interceding for that box. They're not crying and weeping over that box. That box isn't abusing them and calling them at 10 o'clock and saying, I need to talk to you. Me and this other box are going through a whole situation. We need counseling. I was like, UPS, they don't, they have, yeah, it's not an easy job. I'm not saying it's an easy job. But I just want an eight-to-five, a nine-to-five job, <laughs> right, <laughs> and I just want something where I don't have to have a burden over people, and he's like, all right, I'll get you a job at UPS, and I was like, really? He's like, yeah, so I moved to this town called Newport, and I was living there with John and Deb and celeste out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm like, what is happening, and he's, and I called the people at UPS, and they talked about this job where I'd just basically be taking boxes off of this like conveyor belt and put them where they need to go. I was like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and then I was just sitting there one day by the river, and the Lord's like, you're not going to be working with boxes? Are you kidding me? I'm calling you here for a different reason. And four years later, man, I love what the Lord is doing through... Our Celebrate Recovery through our young adult groups, I get to be a part of some really cool things. Um, I'll tell you, Celebrate Recovery has broken and put my heart back together so many times. And I realize, you guys, that we all need it. We all need our hearts to be broken. We all need to go back and look into our lives and see where the Lord needs to um, heal us. And Celebrate Recovery is for everybody, and I'm one that is personally in recovery um, for some of the things I'm going to be talking about today um it doesn't mean that I I just I just love it. I'm not going to, to say any more thing. Just show up, man. Show up. I love the people that show up and like, "Yeah, I'm here to serve. I'm here to just bless people." And then by like week 2 they're wrecked. And they're like, "Whoa, where have this been my whole life?" And so, uh show up. Um Four years, man. It's been—it's uh, crazy that it's been four years already. And so, um, but I'm—I'm I'm excited to be uh, here this morning and be able to bring the word. So let's get get into it. Philippians four. Uh, we're going to read one through seven, and then uh, we'll break it up. Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I employ Eodea and I employ Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel. With Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Here we go. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as we get into your word, I thank you that we can um, be able to just search our hearts, search our minds, to be able to take these words that... Paul wrote to his friends there and be able to say that these words are just as important today. Father, to be able to see that we need to t- turn our focus to you, to be able to take our eyes off of ourselves, over, off of our situations, and put them on you. Father, we thank you that we can even read these words and study these words, Father, to be able to be the servants that you've called us to be. And so, Father, we just thank you for this time. We love you in Jesus' name, Amen. Four uh, one. I'm going to read this again. Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord beloved I love how Paul here he offers um, several encouragements to his readers. Uh, first he notes his love for them. Paul does this often as he writes his letters and in most of his letters whether they're letters of correction or they're just letters of encouragement, he writes them in love and he's looking back and he's like how many things is he able to do how many things is he able to say where he's able to just go you know what? Our central theme in everything that we do has to be love. Whether it be correction, whether it be encouragement, whether it be just our daily living, it has to be done in love. The way we interact with each other here and the way that we interact with the world has to be done in love. There's a lot of warning. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of um, reality is. People are upset at what the world is doing to us. The politicians are are putting laws on us that we don't agree with. And they keep getting reelected, and we're like, what is happening? And we're frustrated. That's That's a common reaction to be frustrated. But there are times where I see that Christians, our response is hatred. Our response is is fear Our response is anger. When the Lord's saying our response needs to be love. Do we need to like these people? I said this yesterday to somebody. Do we need to like these people? <laughs> Probably not. We don't need to like them, but we need to love them. We need, our hearts need to be broken for our leaders. Our hearts need to be broken for the unbeliever. Second, Paul mentions his sincere desire to visit them. See, so he's lived among them, and now he's just missing them. He's under house arrest there in Rome, and he's writing them. and He's just thinking about, man, the good times when we were together. And I think about this often, you know, when we, when we were kind of in lockdown during COVID. And I, was, I had a time where I was just kind of thinking about the people in my life that I've come across the countries I've been able to go to, but I was just thinking about um, the missionaries that stayed on the field and thinking about what they're currently going through. And I said, you know what? I need to write a letter. And our letters look a little different. Mine comes in the form of text. And sending these letters and just simply saying, man, remember the good times? Remember the things that we have gone through together? It's okay to miss people. It's okay to miss the people that come into our lives. And I want you guys, even right now, just think about the people that have made it so so that you can sit where you're sitting right now. Those mentors, those teachers, those youth pastors, those pastors, those people that went out of their way. And it doesn't always seem like it, but I know I have the gift of encouragement. And I'm able to, at times, you know, I just believe when God puts on your heart a person... There's a reason why God put that person on your heart. And I believe it's our duty that in that moment to write that person immediately. Because how many times do you receive something, a letter, an encouragement, a text, a picture, at the perfect time? And I believe that when we decide, ah, no, that'd just be weird. I haven't talked to that guy in 15 years. I don't even know why I thought about him. I'm just walking down the aisle here at Fred Meyer. And you think about somebody... There's probably a reason. We're all connected with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. And I think the Holy Spirit puts on our hearts, man, right now, this person needs... There's so many times where someone will call me and go, Hey, have you heard about this person? I haven't seen them in church for a while. Or I haven't heard how they're doing. And I was like, you should reach out to them. You should find out. They're probably waiting for you to call. Um, And so many times, they'll do that, and they'll be like, man, I'm just so glad I did that. I'm so glad I reached out. And so I know right now, a lot of you are thinking about someone. Take the time and write that person's name down so you don't forget. On your way home, on your way to lunch after the message, send that somebody a text. I promise you, it will encourage them. The third thing is he calls them my joy, which is another theme common in this message. My joy. People can bring you joy. I think about the people that, we, that I've discipled over the years. And the, again, there's times I forget. There's times I'm like, man, are, am I reaching? Am I getting to the people? Am I getting to the, like, the core? Are they really changing their behavior? And then there's times where the Lord just reminds me, man, look at these people you discipled in the early 2000s. The ones that are just loving their kids the ones that are raising their kids in godly ways. And there's so many times in ministry and in just life, we are discouraged by what's been produced, whether it be our kids, whether it be people that we encourage. But then we can look back and go, you know what? There's actually so much fruit that God allows people in our lives to bring us joy because it brings him joy. And so I'm, I'm encouraged by that. And the fourth thing, uh, Paul refers to the Philippian believers here as the crown. And these uh, believers were the reward and, and blessing to Paul. He concludes this section of chapter 3 by teaching them to stand firm. And we know the, the importance of that. Uh, he did not want to see his friends fall away from faithful service to Christ. Paul often t- uh, taught his readers to stand firm. Uh, His goal was for them to uh, stay strong and continue to grow even during difficult times. How many of us need that constant reminder to to stand firm? The last two years have not been easy. Some people are like, ah, that was nothing. And then others were like, that was the hardest time of my life depending on what you were going through during that season, depending on what you struggle with, it may have been the hardest time of your life. Some of us lost loved ones during that time. And others were like, man, it was a paid vacation for a summer. But the reality is that, man, there, it, for me, it was just that reminder that, am I prepared for what's coming next? Am I prepared to stand firm in, in the knowledge and truth that is Jesus Christ? Am I ready for that? In 2005, 2006, 2007, those summers, I was working at a church in Los Angeles, and, and they had a huge missions program. And the summer, summer missions was their jam. That's what they did. And they got like a third of their church to go. This is a 5,000-person church. And about a third of the church went and did missions during the summer. And they had something like 12, 13 different missions trips, opportunities, And I remember looking through all of them. I was new to the church and I was excited, and and I was looking through all these different trips. And I just really felt like the Lord was calling me to go to Fiji. (laughs) That's all I saw Fiji. I was like, yeah, that's it, I'm going. I was like, all I have to do is pack my board shorts and some sandals, I'm going. And so I fill out the, the application for Fiji, and I sent it in with my, you know, attached my resume of the countries I've been to. And uh, I love it because the missions pastor, Mike, Mike, he was like not impressed. He was like, uh, he goes, you're not going to Fiji. And I was like, why not, man? I feel like Fiji would be perfect for me. He's like, uh, your personality just doesn't seem right for Fiji. For the ministry that they're doing. But you know what would be a cool place for you to go? Is the Czech Republic. And I was like, huh? I was like, You mean like Czechoslovakia? He's like, dude, it hasn't been Czechoslovakia for like 10 years. And I was like, I don't know anything about Czech Republic. And he's like, let me tell you, you don't need to know anything. But the ministry opportunity is exactly what you're, you're, where your heart is at. And I was like, all right, I'll go to the Czech Republic. And I spent three summers there, and we, we would teach uh, um, English during the day, and then at night we would be able to just uh, teach these kids um, a little bit about the gospel. If you know anything about Eastern Europe, it's actually, to me, one of the hardest places to bring the gospel. Um, the Middle East was easier than Eastern Europe because the hearts have just been so bitter towards their grandparents' and great-grandparents' religion. We don't want any part of that. And so as I went there the first summer, I met a brother and sister named Hansa and Zuska, Novak. And Hansa and Zuska were the closest brother and sister I've ever seen in my life. Um, They just had just so much love for each other, and they just cared for each other. Um, They were probably like 21, 23 at the time. And they were the youth pastors in a town called Cheb, C-H-E-B, it's not Cheb, it's Cheb, and they loved the youth, but you know what, in like four years of youth ministry, they had like one, maybe two kids come to know the Lord, and they just did not know what to do, and so they brought these kids to camp this year, and we just went there, and we just loved on these kids, and we're teaching them funny songs, and we're like teaching them about Jesus, and we're just pouring into them all summer, and guess what? Not one person came to know the Lord. This is a tough place. And we go back the second year and we're like, this is the year. Man, the revival is going to come. And we come in there and we, we bring in this whole thing. And, I, and I'm just pouring into Hans and Zuska. I'm like, stay the course, stay strong, stay firm. And they're like, it's tough when you see nothing. We love these kids, but we have seen nothing come from this, and so we bring our talents and we bring our you know songs, and, and we're just pouring into these kids. And the second summer, nothing. We're like, Lord, what are you doing? And we had this one kid on our on the the team, and we would sing these songs, and I call them funny songs because they were. Uh, we'd sung this one song that was like. Just a weird song, but it was like about the rapture and about being just lifted up in the middle of the night and all this stuff. And it was like, "What? What are we singing?" And these kids that don't even know English are singing this song about the rapture, and we're like, "This is just weird, but okay, let's do it." And uh, I remember getting a phone call one day from one of the youth, and it's rare to get a phone call from the Czech Republic. But my phone rings, and I answer it, and he goes, guess what, Adam? I was like, yeah. He's like, I'm one of you. I was like, excuse me? He's like, I'm one of you. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm a Christian. And I was like, how? Like, we, we, we left. We're not there. I was like, did Hansa and Zuska, like, lead you to the Lord? He's like, no. It happened in the shower. And I was like, all right, explain. And he's like, I was there in the shower, and I just started singing one of the songs. And the song goes, I am somebody because you love me. I'm accepted just the way that I am. Your love is higher. It's deeper and wider. You and I will always understand. And I was like, okay. So what happened? He goes, I was singing that song, and I felt heat, not from the shower. And I was like, okay. He goes, I think it was the Holy Spirit. I think it was the thing you were talking about. And I was like, it is. And he goes, now what? Now what do I do? And I said, go to Hansa and Zuska and tell them. And when I talked to them, I was like, dude, he's coming to your house. And this is our reward. Why? Because you guys stood firm. This is a tough world that we live in. I'm. There are so many times where I'll hear about the things that Rory or I was going through, and some of our youth leaders and this next generation. I deal with a little bit with our um, college ministry. Millennials are not easy. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but. We need to be reminded to stand firm, to be able to stand in the gap for our kids, to be able to stand strong for those that can't stand for themselves, because there's an enemy that wants to take us out, and we need to know how to be able to stand firm, and that's with each other. Amen? Amen. Verse 2, I employ, sorry, I implore you, Odea, and I employ you. To be of the same mind in the Lord. Here we have two women um, that are in Philippi who have come to a disagreement um, that's basically affecting the whole church. Um, These two verses are all we know about these ladies, um, these individuals, Um, but Paul feels like it's important enough for him to write um, a letter. I love that Paul doesn't mention what they're fighting about. Because if he were, knowing us, knowing me, we'd still be arguing it today. How many times do we like to take, you know, what Pastor Luke talks about as an open hand issue? Those things that, you know, we like to fight about. Those things that as you drive away, you'll mention to your wife, oh, that was weird that Adam said this. And then you go back and forth and, and try to tear that apart and, and try to figure. And it's like when Paul just says, man, you have to keep loving each other. You have to stay focused on the main goal, which is furthering the kingdom. I've worked at several different churches, and there's been a few churches that were so Divided over the most ridiculous issues. Styles of worship, where people were leaving over a style of worship. We had people leave one church because whether or not we were going to allow people to give online or not. I I kid you not. It almost broke the church because people didn't want the credit card companies getting a percentage of what the was of the Lord's, and it was enough for people to get up and leave. Yikes. And I believe if Paul were to walk in the room, he'd be like, with his pen, all right, guys, here we go. We need to be of the same mind. We need to pray for our leaders, not nitpick and tear down and find something that we disagree with for the sake of disagreeing. This room is not... Facebook wall this is a a house of God where we come and we fall before him and we worship him and there's times I, I this church is not guilty of major gossip or anything like that I'm not saying that at all but in our own homes in our own minds are we trying to fight the people that we're supposed to be fighting with Years ago, I was working at a church and we had um, uh, the denomination sent a guy to the church to kind of evaluate us. And we invited him to come because we wanted our church to be moving in the right direction. And one of the things he said is he's like, I'm looking for churches that are unhealthy or dying and help bring the Holy Spirit back into it so that that church can be a loving missional church. And so as we looked at, you know, he looked at some of the relationships between the staff and the different things. He, he, one of the things I remember this to this day, and I, I've brought this up several times to the staff here. I said, you know what? He, he said, we may not see eye to eye, but we will walk hand in hand. There are differences that, you know, as a leader and as, as le- even leaders of, of your home and of your children, you're not always going to see eye to eye everything with everything. But at the end of the day, we have to walk hand in hand. The enemy wants to put one little thing in our head that says, you know what? That church is not going to be the church I'm going to stand with when it comes down to. Because of, and it's like, I'm telling you, if, if I am the, the reflection of what the church leadership should be, I'm sorry. I'm going to fail you. I love Pastor Luke so much, and I have his back, but you know what? He is not the man that you're supposed to be looking to. The person that supposed to be looking to is right behind me. His name's Jesus. He's the leader of this church. He needs to be the leader of your home. He needs to be the leader of your family, your business. And if we're coming for any other reason, we've failed you. And I know that's not Luke's intention. His, loop, his intention, just like mine, just like Rory, just like every other person, is to point people to Jesus. And we'll continue to do that through this hard time, because we know that you guys are wanting to stand firm. Amen? Amen. And I urge you, true companion, help these women, is what Paul says. Who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. I love unmentioned heroes in the Bible. Just recently at YAG, we talked about the unmentioned heroes of the Bible, and we talked about women for three weeks. These women that maybe got one line, or they weren't even mentioned. I'm like, that is who I want to be. I didn't always want to be. I just talked to my mom about this yesterday. I didn't always want to be an unmentioned hero. I wanted my service to be recognized. I wanted books to be, writ- be written about me. I wanted to, be, to leave an impression. I was so afraid that when I died, there would be nothing but just a tombstone. And you know what? The Lord has been working on me and saying, you know what, Adam, it is not about that. Because you know what? Some of the heroes of the faith will be forgotten. And those people didn't even care about their names because they wanted to point people to Jesus. So I love unmentioned heroes. And then he also talks about, he mentions, references Daniel, and even in Revelation, they talk about the, the, um, the book of life. And that's our reward. Our reward has nothing to do with anything here on, on earth, and has everything to do with that one, that my name is going to be written in the book of life. That's my reward. And I walk in and, and he knows exactly where to flip in the book. And he goes, there it is, Adam, Daniel, Durkin. Come on in. And it's like, I don't have to bring my resume. I don't have to be like, do you know about all the things I did for you? He's like, it doesn't matter. It was about that decision you made at camp when you were 10 years old. That's what it was about. It wasn't about anything else. And I was like, that's what got my name in the book of life. That's my reward. Here we go. Four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Christians are called to rejoice. That's what we're called to do. The joy of Christians isn't based on how we feel or what we're going through. It's based on our relationship with God. I love at Celebrate Recovery when people introduce themselves. It's not like any other recovery program where they're introducing themselves as an alcoholic or um, someone that struggles with codependency or someone that's struggling. They say, my name is Adam Durkin, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. That's my identity. I have struggles, but my identity is in Jesus Christ. I love how Paul also has to repeat it though. In the same verse, he says it twice. Why? Because I am so quick to forget. I can be coming home from a church service or from Celebrate Recovery on fire for the Lord with worship music blaring. Rejoice in the Lord always and again. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy just cut me off. Are you kidding me? Another guy from Idaho, of course. Rejoice! Rejoice! How quick are we to forget? That was a good one. I just came up with that. <laughs> it's that constant daily reminder, but it's not once a day. I need it constantly. Man, I need to rejoice. Because if I tar- start starting looking at my rap sheet, looking at the things I've done, looking at my anxiety, looking at the things that are holding me up, and I could easily get tripped up. Honestly, the most, I, the most I, I I struggle with, when I struggle with anxiety or some a little bit of depression, it's when I'm just looking at myself and my situation. There are times where it's hard, but there are times where it's just like, man, I'm looking at my thing, and you know, I'm not getting enough. How am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to do all this stuff? I'm, you know, I got all these people relying on me. And, I don't, and the Lord's like, rejoice. Rejoice. Do I have to remind you how good you have it? Next week, you're going to hear some young guys talk about Mexico and how good we have it compared to, but it's not compared to Anything and we just can rejoice in what the Lord has brought us through. It's a good thing. But the enemy wants to constantly be whispering, man, there's something to complain about right here. There's something to bring up right now. And I'm telling you, this is why this was hard for me to give this message. Because everyone in the staff know that I am a complainer. (laughs) I didn't mean that as a joke either (laughs) it's it's one of the worst habits I have and I'm saying that in a way of just admitting to you that it's tough I'm a complainer I do it so quickly and I love being humbled (laughs) and being reminded That there's nothing to complain about. James 1, 2. um, James even says, my brother, uh, could it uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials? And we know this verse very well. I'm not good at it. So we're just going to move on. (laughs) But you notice that James, he says, he says when and not if. When? Because it's going to happen. There are going to be trials. There's going to be situations. There's going to be things that you're like, you know, what? I don't know if I can get through this one. And you know what? I have the privilege right now of being able to look into a room and see the people I can rely on. I wish every single person could come up right here and just stand here for a minute and go, you know what? When there's trials, I'm not alone. This is my family. And I can see you now, even though the lights are bright and I'm sweaty. I can see you. And I know that, man, we have to have each other's backs. I was scared during COVID that the church wasn't as strong as I thought it was. We weren't as good enough neighbors as I thought we were. And we need to change. We need to love our neighbors. We need to care for each other. And that's not me trying to be condemning at all. That's me saying that I need to wake up. I need to love this room better. We need to love each other better. Verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. (sighs) Gentleness. So we're here. That uh, basically, I I feel it's it's somebody that's uh, willing to sacrifice their own personal rights to to show consideration to someone else. To me, it's peace, gentleness, peace. When I was living in Lebanon, we would visit people every single day, and we would sit with them, and we would um, eat. Meals with them and drink tea and just listen to their war stories, the same stories over and over. And we just listen and we offer prayer. I usually would bring some teaching from the Bible, something I would listen and say, Lord, in this moment, give me a word. And I'm like, oh, there was this guy named Daniel and he went through something like that. Let me tell you about him and try to point people to Jesus through those stories And one of the things that we we kept getting were were reports from missionaries or people, individuals there in Iraq and Afghanistan, some of the hardest places to bring the gospel. And one of the things they were praying for was, Lord, bring me, let my eyes be open to men of peace. I wasn't quite sure what that was. What is a man of peace? And basically what they believe, what, what Muslims believe is that Jesus was, a prophet, and he was a great prophet, and he was the prophet of peace. I find that so interesting. In a religion that isn't peaceful, they believe that Jesus was the prophet of peace. And I believe that Jesus was the prince of peace and was the son of God, and that's where me and my <laughs> Muslim friends differ. But they these people would say, bring us Men of peace. And what that was is they believed that they had Jesus living in them, the spirit of peace that could only come from Yeshua. And we would look for those people, or people in the Middle East would look for those men because they were open to the gospel. They were open because they had been visited by Jesus in a vision or a dream. They had heard about him. And they were like, you know, this, there's something about this. And so I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I've never even heard of that. So I started praying for that. And one day I remember being on this visit, and we met this um, couple. And, uh, uh, Dave, you can put that picture up where he's holding his daughter. Um, just real quick. and then take, You can take it down and it's just a second. Um, but this guy pulls in. And I remember just looking at him. And I'm like, Yasser, tell me his story. He's like, well, he just delivers food. And... Uh, I was like, remember when we were talking about men of peace? And you could take that picture down, Dave. And I was like, I believe this is one of those guys. He just carried himself in a different way. And Yasser's like, you're right. He does. He's actually mentioned that to me, how he just has a fear but a desire to learn more about Jesus. And a couple of years ago, he actually went back to Syria. And I think Yasser will hear from him maybe once a year. and kind of lost track. But there was a time when I came uh, to visit South Beach Church. And I was actually in the sound booth there. And this guy walked by. And I was like, I felt the exact same impression. I was like, there was something, just this mantle, just this heaviness of peace. Going back, actually, I remember I, I, I told that to this man in Lebanon about this spirit of peace and having the peace, and he said, Adam, I feel like I have it, but if you only knew my story, if you only knew what I've done, you wouldn't think that. And I said, I don't care about what you've done. I care about the spirit that's living in you. And if you accept it, you're going to heaven. Fast, fast forward, I'm sitting here in the sound booth, you know, behind one of the monitors. This guy walks by, and I said, Esai, who is that guy? He goes, oh, his name's Carlos. And I was like, this man has a spirit of peace over him. And I remember a couple, a couple weeks later, he walked by again. And I was like, hey, man, what's your name? And I already knew. But he's like, hey, my name's Carlos. What's up, man? And I was like, can I tell you a story? And I told him about this guy. And I said, man, I feel like you have that same spirit. And he, was, he said, word for word, Adam, if you only knew what I used to do. If you only knew, you wouldn't think. And I said, Carlos, I don't need to know. You have the spirit of Jesus living in you. And a lot of you guys know Carlos. And you know his testimony. And I said, you know what? I pray that I carry that. That I can go into dark places. I can go into places others might be fearful. And I carry that spirit of peace. That when I, when I can say that verse, let my gentleness be known to all men. That people see, come to me and they go, I don't see weakness, but I see gentleness. Where I can pour out my information to him. I can, I can trust him. And as people trust that and feel comfortable around us, that we're not cold, crusty, nasty people, that we can carry the spirit of gentleness, that we can do this and we can point people to Jesus. That's what I want to do. I'm tired. I'm tired of pointing people to me. It's been so much time wasted trying to make a name for myself, trying to feel comfortable in my own shoes. We have to know that the Lord is at hand. His return is coming. It's coming quick. He had to remind them then, remember, the Lord is coming. Have you whispered that to yourself recently? The Lord is coming. So what am I doing Am I worried about security? Am I worried about how, how, how safe I am? Am I worried about, or am I worried about, man, am I bringing the gospel of peace to those that need it? Am I concerned about my neighbors? Am I concerned about the people that are stopping by the office asking for prayer? Or am I just worried about, man, I got to make sure I, I'm good for this next wave because it's coming. Yeah, we need to be prepared. I'm not saying that at all, but are we carrying this the gospel of peace with us? We're coming to our end, but I want I want to share this video with you. Luke is up in Washington right now, filling in for Daniel Fusco, and Daniel Fusco put out this video. It's, I think it was from his message last week. I want to just show a short little clip. Um, It was actually on Instagram a couple days ago. And we're going to show it, and then uh, we're going to wrap up. The whole of growth in your Christian life comes down to who sits on the throne of your life. I think it was A.W. Tozer, and I'm paraphrasing, because A.W. Tozer had a great way with words. Me, not so much. You know, he said, in effect, that in every believer's heart, there is a throne and a cross. For most believers, we leave Jesus on the cross so we can sit on the throne. But for the mature believer, we take the cross and we give Jesus the throne. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? So right now, in the presence of God between you and him, who's on the throne in your heart? The whole of growth in your Christian life comes down to who sits on the throne of your life. All right. I love that reminder. Man, am am I using what Jesus did on the cross to to put me on a throne? I just talked about this with our, our young adults on Thursday. I showed this little clip there in cobblestone. I was holding the phone, and we're all listening to it. Man, I need that reminder. Yeah, he was on the cross, but he was on the cross so that I could carry my cross. So that I could carry my cross to bring him glory. Because he's the one that's on the throne. He's the one that's high and lifted up. Man, how much anxiety and pressure does that just take off of you? When you just say, Lord, you are on your throne. What can I do for you? How can I sacrifice for you today? And I'll tell you, it's not a sacrifice when you know that the king of kings and the lord of lords has already won the battle. I don't have to even worry, I don't have to trip, I don't have to be fearful of anything, because he's already done it. My name is in that book. I just get to ride this wave and love people until I'm there. That's a good thing. It's something that we get to rejoice about. But then he goes into more. And he says, you know what, you're going to forget again. Verse 5, or verse 6, sorry. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Earlier, he's he's writing to Timothy in uh, chapter 2, and he says, you know, you're worrying about other people. And here in verse 6, he's saying, you're worrying about yourself. He said, you know, some of us are worriers for others. My mom is a good worrier. She's probably listening right now. She worries about us. And sometimes I need to, you know, we need to go, you know what? There's times where you want your mom to worry about you. And then there's times where you're like, you know what? My heavenly father has this. He's got it. It's good. So there's times that, you know, I could survey this room. It's like, now, are you a worrier for other people? Or are you a worrier for yourself? And We'd have different things. And here in Philippians, he's saying, you know, worry about nothing. Instead, just commit it to the Lord in prayer. Commit it to him. Man, I love on Thursday morning prayer is that before we ask for anything, we spend the first time just thanking God for who he is. And I, sometimes I have to redirect because we're so quick to just be like, hey, God, man, you're such a good God. Man. So, uh, Father, today I just pray, I just like, would you bless? And it's like, man, how about we just take a second and think what we're even doing. I'm communicating with the guy that made all of this. And I'm just talking to him like he's just some Dude. I need to humble myself a little bit before I come into his presence. And I love Thursday mornings. I love just that rich time of just saying, Lord, man, even though our circumstances aren't where we want them to be, that does not change your character because your character is that you are good. And I thank you for that. I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are a loving father. I thank you that you have my best interests In your hands. And you care about me. You care about my path. Even when I can't see it. You are good. Verse 7. And the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. Paul uses a military term here. Guard. Knowing that there is a battle of the mind. Some of us struggle more than others. I've worked and talked with a lot of people through sober Recovery and through counseling guys that come back from the field and they have some PTSD. They're, they're struggling with that battle. But it's not any different than what we struggle with every day. There's a battle for our minds. There's a battle for identity. There's a battle for just even questioning the core of who I am. And the Lord is saying here, he goes, and made the peace of God. He starts it off with peace. He, in there in the middle, he has peace, and he ends with peace. Next week, we're going to share about Mexico, but I want to share one little thing. Man, there was a time where we were driving back, and I was feeling good, feeling all pumped up about Mexico, excited about ministry, excited about what the Lord's going to do, you know, this next week. And then we pull into Newport. And one of the things I struggle with is, is my singleness. I'll admit that. Since I was nine years old, I wanted to be married with kids. And for some reason, at 42, I'm still single, and I struggle with that at times. When we pull into town, and we drive into the church parking lot, and I'm seeing all the men that were on that trip. Their kids are running up to them, giving them kisses, giving them hugs, and their wives giving them hugs and kisses. And here's Adam filling up his car, you know, feeling all guilty and jealous, just feeling this heaviness of jealousy. And loading my car up with my bags and driving down to Walport trying to stay awake because I've been up for 36 hours. Just feeling angry and jealous. And the Lord, over the last week of that trip, had been whispering to me in my quiet time, Adam, do you believe that me and you are enough? And when you're on a mission strip and you're like, man, I'm ready just to go crazy on the devil down here. Yeah, me and you are enough, man. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to just let's go. And he's like, Do you believe that me and you are enough? Yes, Lord, I believe that. I believe that. And when we pulled into Newport, the enemy was just ready to go, he ain't ready. He ain't ready. And so as I'm driving down to Walpole, I'm just feeling it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show up, and my cat is the only thing. And he's going to be mad at me because I've been gone for a week. And he's going to reject me, and I'm going to sit on that couch. And I'll tell you, I've told a few people now, when I walked in that room, I have never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit stronger. And it felt like I'm standing here right now. My house was full of the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, Adam, we are enough. Doesn't change the desire that I have for a family, and I do believe it's coming, but the Lord said, we are enough. And there's so many things that everyone can have a story where it's like, man, I'm feeling strong, I'm feeling courageous, I'm feeling like I'm able to rejoice in the, and, and All of a sudden, our peace is just ripped out from under us because of one conversation, because of one lie, because of one thought, because of one phone call. And the Lord is saying to you, are me and you enough? You don't have to do it on your own anymore. You don't have to lean on your own strength. You don't have to carry your own burdens. You don't have to live this way anymore. Do you trust me? Because me and you are enough. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are enough. We thank you that we don't have to be caught up in anxiety. We don't have to be caught up in fear. Father, whatever the future holds, whether it be our health, whether it be our singleness, whether it be our our children, whether it be whatever. You're asking us, do you trust me to give my burdens to you? And you say, I gladly accept them. And then, Lord, I I just ask, what is my next step? And you just say, just trust me because me and you are enough. Let us know that. Father, I just ask for safety this weekend with the fourth tomorrow. Father, let us be around, surrounded with loved ones. Let us be know, just know that we are loved. And let the world know of your love. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. God bless. We love you.